The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. From your favorite source for Chicago White Sox talk, delivering news, interviews, analysis, and more. This is the Sox Machine Podcast with your hosts, Jim Margulis and Josh Nelson. Thanks, Rob, and welcome to the Sox Machine Podcast 2021 Player Reviews. I'm Josh Nelson. In the upcoming months, we'll be selecting a player or position group to recap their 2021 season discussing if said player or players met or exceeded expectations and what does their near future outlook appear to be with the 2022 Chicago White Sox. The Chicago White Sox didn't get much of a chance to enjoy their big free agent signing last year in Yasmani Grandal. COVID was to play, shorten the 2020 season to just 60 games, and Grandal appeared in 46 of them, splitting catching duties with former White Sox James McCann before he left and signed with the New York Mets. It took some adjusting from fans to understand Grandal's offensive game. Big on power and getting on base, but not much in terms of contact. Grandal hit eight homers in 2020 to the tune of a 230 batting average and slugged 422, which was good for a 112 OPS plus, or 12% better than league average. That was the lowest OPS plus for Grandal since 2017, and he only accumulated 0.9 war in those 46 games. But Grandal had two big hits during the 2020 postseason, both being home runs in the three-game series, and he walked four times. In terms of what the White Sox signed Grandal for, he mostly delivered. It wasn't a smooth start to 2021 for Grandal as he dealt with a nagging knee injury that limited his action during spring training. He was available on opening day, but the entire month of April was a struggle for Grandal. While Yerba Mercedes was lighting it up, Grandal hit a measly 127 batting average with a 294 on base percentage and slugged just 273 in the opening month. Naturally, that left White Sox fans wanting more from their big free agent signing. To start the month of May, Grandal went on a crazy walk stretch 
In four games from May 1st through the 8th, Grandal walked 13 times and officially only had three at-bats. On May 9th, Grandal's season slash line was a crazy 113 batting average, but he had a 378 on base percentage while slugging 242. Sure, he wasn't getting base hits or smacking home runs, but Grandal was trying to help out the offense by getting on base and by any means necessary. Naturally, this causes many online arguments about just how good Grandal was. After May, Grandal's on-base and slugging picked up while his batting average was still at 131, which sparked debates about the importance of OPS. I mean, Grandal had a season 718 OPS, but paired with a 131 batting average to start June. Not many in baseball have ever seen such a thing, but things changed in a big way for Grandal in June. After hitting just six homers through April and May, Grandal's nagging knee injury started to feel better, and he found his rhythm at the plate again, slugging eight homers while driving in 18 RBIs, which doubled his season total to the tune of a 260 batting average, a 402 on base percentage, and he slugged 603 for the month. The Grandal gain of fans rejoiced as they were rewarded with their patience. Then the injury bug struck again. Just as Grandal was on a heater, one bad swing against the Minnesota Twins on July 5th sent him to the ground screaming in pain. Once again, it was a knee injury and required minor surgery during the season with any hope of returning. Nothing is really minor for surgery though, especially knee surgery on a 32-year-old catcher. Grandal would miss the rest of July and most of August rehabbing his knee, and he rejoined the White Sox on August 27th against the Chicago Cubs. After his slow start to the season in April and May because of a knee injury during spring training, expectations were low for Grandal returning as we already witnessed that it may take some time for him to find his swing again. Well, by time, if you mean minutes, sure, Grandal found his swing, posting one of the biggest offensive nights for any White Sox hitter in 2021. Grandal smacked two homers while driving in eight RBIs in his return, powering the White Sox to a 17-13 victory. He hit another home run in the series clincher two days later and another home run in his next start against the Pirates. First four games back, Grandal had four homers, and the hitting didn't stop. In September, Grandal hit 310 with a 459 on base percentage, slugging 548 with five homers and 13 RBIs, walking 24 times to just 16 strikeouts. Post surgery and IL stint, Grandal hit nine homers and had an astonishing. 337 batting average, 481 on base percentage, slugging 673 slash line. A complete opposite of recovery we saw from the beginning of the season. Come the postseason, there were some concerns on how Grandal would hold up behind the plate. While spending time on the injured list, the White Sox got to witness life without Grandal having Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala catch. 
Neither hit all that well, despite Zavala's three home run game. And each was terrible in a specific defensive facet. Out of 100 catchers who caught at least 100 pitches in 2021, Collins ranked 96th in strike rate at 41.2% of the pitches he caught were called a strike. And he was tied for 99th in runs extra strikes at negative 10. Yes, Collins cost White Sox pitchers a ton of strikes. Zavala couldn't block pitches. While he posted the best framing numbers, he had eight pass balls in one-third of the innings that Grandal caught. The league leader only had 10 pass balls. No, the White Sox would have to ride Grandal at catcher through the entire postseason. And while Grandal didn't do much in games one and two at Houston, he came up big in game three, sparking the White Sox offense. Down 5-1, Grandal went up Otako for a two-run shot to cut the deficit. Later, Louis Garcia hit his three-run homer that brought down the house, and the White Sox went on to win Game 3. For the series, Grandal was just 2-14 for 14 with the home run and four RBIs. Grandal finished 2021 with a 3.7 war, according to baseball reference, which is a career high with 23 home runs and 62 RBIs, and a season slash line of a 240 batting average, a 420 on base percentage, slugging 520, and a 157 OPS plus, 57% better than league average. One could make a very strong case that Yasmani Grandal was the White Sox best offensive player in 2021. Heading into 2022, there's little doubt about Grandal's offensive ability. What sparks debate may be the most intense about anything regarding the White Sox is Grandal's defensive ability and him sticking at catcher as he enters his age 33 season. Should the White Sox pivot and find ways to reduce the amount of innings Grandal catches in 2022, especially with his recent knee injuries? Or is this concern a bit overblown? We continue that conversation about Grandal after a quick word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Sox Machine Podcast as we continue our conversation about Yasmani Grandal's 2021 season with fellow editor at SoxMachine.com. It's Patrick Nolan, but in these parts, we know him as P. Knowles. And P. Knowles, thanks for joining me again to recap another much-debated White Sox player. Well, absolutely, Josh. Glad to be here, especially to talk about one of my favorite topics on the team. (laughs) Well, in our previous podcast together... We recapped Yohan Mikata's 2021 season, which we both agree there are some concerns about his offense going into next season. He can be better offensively. For Yasmani Grandal, it's the opposite. The offense, it's just not fine. It was great in 2021. It's Grandal's defense that worries some fans. The first part to Grandal's defense, where are the concerns coming from regarding Grandal's catching ability. Well, I think that uh, because of his playoff struggles that he's had in the past, I think that he came to town with people having a preconceived notion about that aspect of his defense. And, you know, I think that uh, even though framing is a lot more important, sometimes when, you know, fans see a ball get through to the backstop, you know, that that's much more visible to people and that sticks out to them and it feels like an avoidable mistake and it really, you know, sticks out in people's minds. Um, similarly in the, in the playoffs, um, I heard a lot about past balls from Grandal. Interestingly, he had zero past balls in the postseason. There were three wild pitches that were uncorked. I went back and watched them. One of them, there was absolutely nothing he could have done. Two of them, yeah, you know, maybe he could knock it down, but I mean, the scorer clearly thought that it was more on the pitcher than, than Grandal. Um, so clearly there has been a trend of him getting in, uh, in trouble in the postseason. I, I don't personally think that's a sustainable thing simply because he doesn't have these issues in the regular season. If you look at um, errant pitches above average, which is basically lumping the wild pitches and past balls all into one, uh, Yasmani Grandal was right at zero for the season, you know, perfectly average. And I think that this is just an aspect of catching that's going to irritate fans when, you know, when balls get through. But the thing to remember is it happens to everybody. So it, our problems, like in many cases, are not unique. And blocking is not among the value attributes that has a large spread between the best and the worst. Buster Posey was the best blocker in baseball this year, and he was only worth uh, 0.8 of a blocking run. Um, Pedro Severino was the worst, and he he cost the team uh, 2.4 blocking runs. So between the best and worst pitch blocker in the league, we're talking about just over three runs. So the blocking is just not a place that I would expend any energy if I'm a fan. Well, that was going to be my follow-up question. Are fans making too much of the pass balls? Yeah, I, and I think I think absolutely they are. Um, just based on how much more pitch framing matters for catchers and how little, like I mentioned, the, the differences between the best and the worst blockers, I think the attention's in the wrong place. Now, it's true that uh, Grandel's framing this season was you know, not the elite standard that we've been used to from him but the fact of the matter is if you're if you are able to get back there and you're able to frame even at a league average rate that that is enough for you to for a team to say okay 
you can be a catcher because it's just <laughs> it just doesn't seem to be possible to be so bad at blocking and throwing that it's not worth it to stick you back there if the framing is okay. And the throwing aspect, we have learned over time that in today's game, base runners are not so much stealing off catchers. They're really stealing off pitchers. If the pitcher is doing a really bad job holding base runners, and boy, we saw a lot of it in the second half by the White Sox pitchers, just not paying close enough attention to the runners on first base. And Jim Margulis had a fantastic article at SoxMachine.com documenting the 50 attempts for Yasmani Grandal to throw out a base stealer. And 20 of them, he can't even get the ball off because the guy's already three quarters of the way there before he even thinks about making the throw. I don't view as far as the caught stealing rate so much as a Yasmani Grandal problem. I view that as a White Sox pitching problem, Pinoles, that maybe needs to get addressed in 2022. A lot of teams are not stealing these days. So I don't think it's like this major problem that they have to focus a lot of attention on going into next season. Maybe when they face Detroit, they have to make some adjustments because the Tigers run with no fear against the White Sox. We have seen in the past the Royals run without fear against the White Sox. Okay, maybe you make some adjustments in those series. But I also view as far as his 19% success rate throwing out base runners that is often pointed by fans as being quote-unquote bad. I don't really view, I don't put all the onus on Yasmani Grandal for that being his problem. That That is something, again, 20 out of the 50, he can't even get the throw off because the base has already been stolen uh, against the White Sox. I view that more as a team problem. And I, I'm glad you mentioned as far as the framing because his strike rate last year was 48.4%. So 48% of the pitches that Yasmani Grandal caught was a strike. Zach Collins was 41%. A 7% difference. And you may think, well, that's not that big of a deal, is it? Think of Lucas Giolito pitching to Grandal or Collins. And he throws 100 pitches. And seven of those pitches that he throws are strikes with Grandal, but they're not with Collins because he can't frame anything on the outside corner. That could drastically change a pitcher's outing, couldn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk about it all the time when when a pitcher or catcher when a pitcher doesn't get a call on a, on a particular pitch and the count goes to you know two and one instead of one and two it, it completely changes the complexion of the at bat it changes what pitches you have to throw next it changes how aggressive you can really be with it for fear of potentially have potentially putting the guy on base so it absolutely and that's just why Zach Collins should not be back with the White Sox in any capacity because he is just not a major league pitch framer and if you're not a major league pitch framer you are not a major league catcher so that, and I think that from that perspective, when you have a catcher, like when you have somebody who couldn't frame like Collins and you had somebody who couldn't block a pitch to save his life, like Sebi Zavala, I, I don't see how there's so much angst on Yasmani Grandal when you are getting two illustrations right next to him of just how much worse it could be. So, and, and, and with, the, and with the throwing, like you mentioned, it, it is absolutely on the pitchers uh, you'd be shocked, but I think baseball prospectus has kind of picked up on that as well because the difference between the best catcher, Omar Narvaez, and the worst catcher, Alex Jackson, from a throwing perspective, is just two runs. 
So I think that even the advanced metrics are realizing this is a pitcher problem. And you know where Yasmani Grandal ranked in this? Smack dab in the middle, you know, right, almost right on the uh, the league average for, for preventing runs with his arm. So there's a lot of things with Yasmani Grandal that aren't being appreciated and a lot of things that he does that he maybe isn't great at that are being, you know, overblown. So is it fair to say in 2021, Yasmani Grandal was just a league average defensive catcher. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Um, he was maybe slightly above average. He did he did decent with framing, maybe not elite, but I'd say that he was basically an average catcher, maybe a slight tick above, but nothing to write home about. And, and that could also be fueling some of the angst about Grundell as well. When the White Sox signed him to that four-year, $73 million contract, they were thinking... We're getting one of the best defensive catchers in baseball and one of the best offensive catchers in baseball. And maybe that is fueling some of the disappointment, taking you know a step back and looking at those fans' point of view when looking at Grandal and saying he's not that good defensively. Maybe league average isn't good enough for them for the money that the White Sox are paying Yasmani Grandal to stay behind home plate and be their primary catcher. So I, I can understand that, but again, with the two knee injuries and having knee surgery, from my perspective, for him being league average last year is a good sign, and it's a sign that the White Sox should not go out and find another starting catcher and move Yasmani Grandal to full-time DH or some of the other suggestions that have been posted on social media. Uh, because, but, but one thing, though, I think we both agree the White Sox should probably get another catcher, but that is to help Grandal carry the load for the entire season. Getting another catcher to replace Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala, who are not good uh, at the position. Back to the knee problems, though, P. Knowles, in 2021. Does it give you pause and make you consider just how many innings Grandal should catch next season? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a 33-year-old catcher who has caught a lot of innings over the course of the past eight, nine years. And we're, he's been somebody who's been reasonably healthy throughout his career. So the innings really start to pile up on those knees. And, you know, since we know that that issue is there, it would be great if the White Sox could bring in a catcher, not necessarily anybody great, but somebody who's good enough defensively to shoulder the load and, you know, not be much of not, not really be a net negative when you stick them behind the plate. Um, I think that, you know, numbers wise, there's no reason for Grandal to do anything but catch. But I think realistically, we, we have to uh, make sure that that's somebody who's healthy come postseason time because you really want to have his bat in the lineup. So I am a little concerned from the knee, from the perspective of the knee issue. I think it would be great if he was catching, you know, closer to maybe like 100 games during the season, more so than like 120, 130. So from that perspective, I think it would be great if they could bring in a catcher that would be just kind of competent and, you know, maybe maybe just a little bit above replacement level. Does, doesn't have to be a great catcher, just somebody to keep the socks afloat and keep Grandel healthy. Um, unfortunately, it seems like they've let a lot of the catching market pass them by, so I really don't know what they're going to do there. Maybe they can strike it rich in a trade someplace. for <laughs> Strike it rich for a backup catcher because they seem to be hard to come by at the moment. But um, that is, that is uh, one thing the White Sox could do that I think would be a significant asset to the team. I think you make a good point on the number of games, Grandal catching, 100. I think that is 
a good goal for Grandal. And if he DHs for 40 games and then you give him 22 games off and he can make it through the entire season without injury, you got to take that from a White Sox perspective. Having Grandal's bat in the lineup for 140 of the 162 games would be huge, especially if he can hit as well as he did in 2021 into 2022. And I want to talk about the offense because post-surgery Grandal coming off the injured list penals, honestly, he was hitting like an MVP candidate. And any, I guess, was any part of that post-surgery, post-IL stint that we saw in late August and September, is any of that any part of that surge sustainable and something that could carry over to 2022? Well, I think that with Grandal, one thing that we always know is sustainable is the walks. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what's great about him walking is that he can hit in the 100s and be a productive hitter. And then he can do what, if he ever has a stretch like he did after the injury and it's in the 300s, then suddenly he's like you said, he's like an MVP candidate. Um, Certainly some of the power is legitimate. We know he has plenty of power. He didn't he hadn't always been flashing that, especially during parts of last year, really. But uh, I don't know that he's going to be putting up consistent ISOs uh, over 300 in given months. I mean, I think that that's maybe him just just catching absolute fire, and that's probably just the best of him. But if you look at his season-long numbers, you know, 240 is right around what I think you could expect him to bat over the course of the full year, which encapsulates his early season lack of hits with his uh, late season surplus of them Uh, 420. I mean, we talked about the walks, like the 420 on base percentage, he could, uh, he's never done anything like that before, but I mean, he keeps walking like he has, who knows 400 could be possible. I'd say the one thing that is likely to come back to earth on the whole is probably the power just because there aren't a lot of guys who at age 32, just, just start hitting the ball out of the park at that rate. And if you look at the ratio of home runs to doubles, He had 23 home runs to just nine doubles, whereas uh, those two numbers had generally been much more even over the course of his career. So that'll probably come back to earth a little bit, but we're still talking about an insanely productive player and uh, one the White Sox should be thrilled to have. Yeah, so don't expect a Salvador Perez leading the league at home run season from Yasmani Grandal. That's what you're saying? Uh, We don't speak that name. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of catchers who are really bad at framing, Salvador Perez was the only catcher in Major League Baseball that was worse than Zach Collins in pitch framing in the in the data from Baseball Savant. Yeah, it's it was brutal. And I wonder if, if that's in terms of runs, it might just be because Collins wound up catching a lot less because he, he, he was on such a bad path back there. It was gross. Well, the runs saved for pitch framing in Baseball Savant, Collins was negative 10 runs saved. Uh, for framing, Salvador Perez was negative 19 runs. If you want to have the conversation about someone who should not be catching and be a DH, Salvador Perez is that conversation. Not so much Yasmani Grandal. The last thing I want to discuss with you about Grandal, the, the White Sox signed Grandal to a four-year contract. And I remember vividly where I was when that news when that news was announced on Twitter. The White Sox broke the news. Nobody else broke the news. And I almost had a heart attack. Like, I can't believe the White Sox finally signed a premier player like Yasmani Grandal. This is a huge addition. And now they are really ready to pivot from the rebuilding years to trying to contend in 2020. And we know COVID really wrecked 
the White Sox plans in 2020. They didn't get a chance to have a full season with Yasmani Grandal and Dallas Keuchel uh, in the first year of their contract. Keuchel has a three-year deal with a club option for the fourth year that I think the White Sox are going to mess around with this vesting option and make sure that does not vest into a fourth year. Uh, And that's the 160 innings that we talked about in Dallas Keuchel's play review episode. But for Yasmani Grandal, I think he's still going to be worthwhile to keep for the White Sox in 2022 and 2023 when his contract expires. The question that I have for you, P. Knowles, is that after the White Sox have signed Grandal, and we are recording this during Major League Baseball's lockout of the offseason heading into the 2022 season, do you think the White Sox are doing enough to take advantage of having Yasmani Grandal on their roster? Because when they signed him in late November uh, in 2019, heading into the 2020 season, it re- I thought it marked a pivot into contention. And now as we speak, I wonder if they're doing enough to take advantage of that signing. Well, I think that thus far, you would have to think of, you'd have, I'd have to say yes, thus far, because they came within, you know, their winning percentage in 2020 was actually even better than it was in 2021 than when they won the division. So clearly they put a good team on the field in 2020 tough division. um, That was tough to get around. They lost, I think by a game 2021, you know, they've, ran away with the division. Um, maybe the other teams kind of let the White Sox off the hook and that their flaws didn't really come into focus that much because there was really no pressure put on them. But it's kind of hard for me to say that they didn't do enough to capitalize on it last year when they won the division by as much as they did. I do question now that there are a couple more glaring holes on the, on the team with Nick Madrigal gone and Carlos Rodon gone. I do question whether they've done enough this offseason to really capitalize on it this year. And it's not fair for me to say that they haven't done enough because the off, like Rick Hahn says, you know, December 1st, the rosters aren't set. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how uh, sluggish it seems like they've been, they have time to fix it. But, you know, as long as my personal opinion, if they keep winning the division each, each, uh, you know, 2021 through 2023, yeah, I think they, I think they did quite a bit to capitalize on it. And, you know, the postseason is the postseason. Um, sometimes you're going to get the, you know, you're going to get the luck on your side and sometimes you're not. Yeah, the White Sox in franchise history have never won division titles in back-to-back seasons. They have recently just accomplished the feat of making it to the postseason in back-to-back seasons in 2020 and 2021, which means they have never been to the postseason in three straight years. And for Yasmani Grandal... Grandal has been in the postseason from 2015 through the present. He has this tremendous postseason streak that he's been playing in the postseason since the 2015 season. Some would say a streak's got to end, Pinos, but I've got a feeling that Grandal's streak is going to continue into 2022. And Pinos, I really appreciate you hopping on and helping recap Yasmani Grandal's 2021 season. I look forward to speaking with you before the 2022 season starts to take a look at the White Sox catching position. We know Grandal is going to be there. Uh, Let's see if Zach Collins and Savi Zavala are still there too. Oh Lord, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) That will do it for this 2021 player review podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you just discovered the Sox Machine podcast, you can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Follow us on Twitter at Sox Machine, and you can follow me on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. For those that have been listening to the show all season, and if you haven't already signed up, think about doing so at our Patreon page. Our Patreon supporters receive exclusive content, ad-free versions of the podcast and website, and the first opportunity to receive our new Sox Machine swag items. We have monthly plans starting at just $2 a month, and our annual plans save you 9%. To sign up, visit patreon.com slash SoxMachine. The Sox Machine Podcast is a production of SoxMachine.com, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network, and your home for all things Chicago White Sox baseball. I'm Josh Nelson. Thanks for listening. <laughs>